wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM, Drive Time, Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible. And where we look at the world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nick Krita, your host. Very happy to be with you today and thank you for tuning in. It's always a pleasure and an honor for us uh, to have you tuned in and also having those messages coming through from you. And I'm encouraging you again today to send us a text message. Um, be part of this program. Share with us. Maybe you come with a question or a comment and uh, we'll be very happy to to share some of those messages with uh, all our listeners. Uh, that number where you can uh, text us is zero four double eight double eight zero eight double one. On the same number, uh, you can um, receive also that offer, which we are going to give it a bit later on. Uh, I mean, you can send a text on the same uh, number, and we'll be very happy to. Uh, give you the book which we have prepared for you today. But our co-host today is David Butcher, and uh, welcome, David. Good afternoon, Nick. Hello, listeners. Now, David, it's uh, the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Australia. And um, I always, you know, when I came across David, uh, I'm wondering how he's managing the time, because uh, uh, he's quite busy, particularly in these times when, uh, you know, uh, um, this world, it's in, uh, I mean, South Australia, Australia all around, uh, 60% of the country, it's in lockdown, uh, David. That's, uh, as, a, as I understand it, correct, Nick? Um, mm. uh, Mel, or Victoria, New South Wales, it's, we're certainly living in, in changing times, aren't we? And you are on Zoom meetings a lot because of the situation, and you need to plan, adjust, uh, all sorts of things. I mean, you are you are in uh, in touch with the people from other states, are you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, our lives are filled with Zoom meetings now, and and I guess technology is wonderful when but, it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when it works. But uh, yeah, it it can be efficient in some ways, but you lose that one-on-one contact. That's correct. Face-to-face contact, which is really important and special. Yes, uh, and David, uh, just that the song, uh, you know, as we just started the program, there was a beautiful song talking about I cannot wa- wait, you know, just to go home, to go to heaven. This world, it's a troubled world, world. and uh, when you think of the news, you know, coming on every day, uh, looking for these poor people in uh, Afghanistan, you know, that's a tragedy there after 20 years of that. Uh, war there and people are promising all sorts of things you know those countries involved there but still you know it's very sad to see um, the people desperate to to be able to get to that airport to get out of the country very true nick it's really heart-wrenching isn't it and i guess it would be even more so if we were personally connected to some of those people as I'm sure some of our listeners might have um, Afghan heritage. Um, but, yeah, look, I mean, I'm looking at some of those um, uh, aerial shots from satellites of mm. people queuing up and lining up. And one of the traumatic things that, you know, that sort of hit me, a number of these people can't actually get through the blockades on the way there, even though they've got the papers, mm. even though they're entitled uh, to to leave 
the Taliban, etc., it would seem, may not be letting some of them through, and, and some of those people will not make it. Yeah. And um, I guess it's a challenge. Uh, you know, I, I reflect on that, and that's a tragedy in itself. But, um, yeah, God has given each one of us, some, spiritually now I'm talking, a spiritual inheritance. Mm. Um, you know, Hebrews 11 talks about this, uh, you know, um, this uh, down payment on salvation, if you like, this guarantee uh, we've got the papers, but we're yet to physically inherit the kingdom of God, so to speak. Mm. And, um, yeah, we, we need to guard our salvation. God has given it to us, but uh, we've got to stay connected to him. And it's just a tragedy, going back to Afghanistan, to see some of those people that, that may not make it back into other countries. Yes, and many many of those people uh, tried with all their heart, all the good intentions to do good for the country for their own country there, um, and they may still not make it. That's true. And it would also appear that, um, you know, I guess this is not a political show by any means, and, and nor would I want to make any judgments on that, but the Australian government uh, was able to to bring out 400-odd, I believe, um, people uh, from about April onwards. But it appears that all of these allied um, governments that have been in Afghanistan for 20 years didn't... Uh, think and didn't believe, including the, the Pentagon, etc., didn't think that um, that Kabul would fall as quickly as it did. Yes, yes. And they were caught out unawares, and now that we're left with this great humanitarian challenge, um, which, you know, they're talking about is probably one of the biggest rescue plans that there has been. And I guess... Um, as Christians now talking spiritually and not minimizing what's happening in Afghanistan, uh, we know that Jesus is going to come, mm. but uh, he may come, well, we know he'll come unexpectedly like a thief. Yeah, and we can judge things, you know, as they develop and uh, sometimes, you know, some people are pro-war and other things, some against. Uh, but the bottom line is for us all to understand that we live in these troubled times. And the Bible uh, uh, foretold us uh, that these things will happen. Now, it's an unfortunate thing when happen in your own uh, backyard to say so. I know when I came from uh, Romania uh, and I... I witnessed with my, you know, and I saw with my own eyes people just dead on the streets there during the revolution in Romania, the, the collapse of the communist regime. And, uh, yeah, when I start to share with people here in Australia, they kind of understood few little things from the media, from the TV, but reality was far from uh, you know, what people uh, uh, perceived far far worse absolutely and, and it is a real tragedy what is happening there and i guess the australian links to afghanistan and the people of afghanistan go back a long way i mean i'm thinking of the gun the mm. the train that runs from uh, adelaide through to darwin and back and it's called the gun mm -hmm. as, as a commemoration i guess and as a link between the Afghan cameleers that, um, you know, used to, were here in, in days gone by. So there is a strong link um, between Australia and Afghanistan far beyond the previous 20 years. That's right. That's right. And also many people who may, may think, okay, well, you know, Muslim country, but there are lots of Christian also there. And those ones are on the on the line right now uh, in in uh, in danger absolutely you know, for their life. absolutely and added to that i guess is the the girls and the ladies that um you know some of these young ladies would have grown up with um the ability to be educated and and all of those sorts of things now all of those 
the things they came to expect uh, appear that they will revert back to what they were prior to mm. the previous 20 years. Well, we, we pray and we, uh, we are, you know, um, feeling with our hearts, you know, towards all those people. And uh, we may even during the program may, may uh, say a prayer um, and uh, ask God to protect all of those people who are in, in very difficulties. But today I'm going to go through a little bit just to recap, um, David, uh, for the last couple of programs, because uh, we were talking particularly about the Sermon on the Mount of Blessings and uh, chapter 5, 6 and 7 in the book of Matthew, amazing, amazing uh, uh, portion of the Bible, I will say. Uh, just uh, the other day, um, uh, Will and uh, Joseph, they, they talked about uh, prayer, how important is prayer and as a golden rule. I mean, and ask the question, <laughs> Was that unique only to the Christians? You know, like prayer. I mean, many people are praying even if they don't uh, necessarily have a, a Christian background. They are definitely people, people definitely. pray. And and look, I think this. Um, I think you and I are saying before we went on on air. This is almost like the Magna Carta. Mm. This sermon of Jesus. It's it's the most powerful sermon that was ever preached. And um, it wouldn't have been a feel-good sermon, though, for, for many of us, I don't think. Uh, Jesus is challenging uh, those that would follow him to a higher level. Yes. A yes. deeper commitment. Yes. And with Eric, last night we talked about uh, is salvation easy or hard? And we talk about, you know, the narrow path uh, yes. or the wider way. Uh, how difficult it is to understand even uh, that concept? Because people thinking, you know, oh, it doesn't matter what you do. You just... Just say you love the Lord or you trust in Jesus and that's all good. We learned last night and we are going to look a little bit more today uh, because our question for today is called, is it possible to do good things and still be lost? We are going to look particularly in the last uh, part of chapter 7 from verses uh, 21 onwards and we'll look at couple of uh, verses there to understand what Jesus meant to say about um, salvation and uh, the good uh, good deeds. I mean, in one of the translation here, it says, um, how can we be true disciples? Yeah, and I think, Nick, one of the themes running throughout these chapters, five to seven, this Sermon on the Mount, is Jesus is saying, it's not so much the externals, mm. and they can be important. Let's not get it wrong. But he is saying it is what happens on the inside of our hearts. You know, he, he, he talks here that um, he has come to uh, fulfill the law. Yeah. And many people say, well, he's going to come to bring an end to the law. But what we find in Matthew 5, he is actually um, intensifying what the true meaning of the Ten Commandments are. It is far more than outward acts. It's the, it's the intent of the heart and the mind that counts. Yeah. Uh, he talks there about us believers needing to be light and salt. We need to permeate darkness uh, being light. We need to be a preserving agent being the salt of the earth and add flavor to the earth uh, and and to people throughout the world. Uh, The Ten Commandments are not done away with. Mm. He says, not even the smallest part of the law will be done away with until heaven and earth pass away. This tells us that God's law is really important. 
But then he goes on to say, the law is not just some external outward act. It's not some to-do list that we can tick the boxes. Mm-hmm. And we know the story of the rich young ruler who, who came to Jesus and he said, I've done all of these things since my youth. Externally, he could say, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't murdered anyone. But Jesus in, in, in Matthew 5 is really saying, well, the law is more than just externals. He says, you have heard that it was said, um, you know, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, he says, even if you've looked at a woman lustfully, you've committed the act. You may mm. not have committed a physical act, but in your mind you've broken the law, you've sinned. Uh, if you're angry with someone, he says you've murdered. Yes. You've taken life. Uh, he talks about here... Um, that we need to love our enemies, to go that second mile, to do that extra. And I guess as Christians, if we're the salt of the earth, we need to, we need to be different. Mm. We need to provide flavor. We need to provide that preservative quality to the world in which we live. He also, as you said earlier, Nick, talks about the model prayer. Yeah. And it's interesting in chapter six, uh, what is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. The first part of this prayer is focusing on our relationship with God. It's focusing on who he is. And then the last part is asking for our own needs mm-hmm. and our own uh, who we are as people. Yeah, yeah. And, and David, Jesus is not changing the law here. He's just uh, amplifying if you like the, you know, the, because as you just pointed out, many people will, uh, will say, Hey, uh, Jesus change, uh, the things, you know, like referring to the Ten Commandments, uh, for, ex- for example. But it's not true at all. I mean, Jesus is even going a step further to, to show how important it is actually to practice, to fulfill, uh, to, yeah, to be trustworthy, um, through all these teachings in the Bible. And as I mentioned, uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7 in Matthew, I remember when I was a bit younger, uh, I could uh, um, uh, recite, memorize all these three chapters. You know, probably I wouldn't be able to do it in English, but in my own language, yeah, I could have, I could have done it. I mean, I have to practice it again, but I really love this. Portion of the Bible, this section, because it's so rich and so, um, you know, touching your whole being through the teachings of Jesus, but also through the importance of all aspects, it's, you know, it's in, in practical, in few, it's practical, very practical, it relates to every element of our life. And I yeah. think, Nick, what you're, the point you raised about Jesus didn't change the law. No, very good point, because uh, Jesus. The law had been, uh, the way the law was interpreted by the religious leaders of the day, they had added laws mm, to the law of God. Mm. They had made it an external act. So Jesus wasn't changing the law. He was bringing the law into the situation, in, into the site that it should have always been in. Yes. And, and how do we know that? We were told in the Old Testament that where, where God promises to write his law upon our hearts. Mm. What does that mean? He's saying, it is not primarily the external act, it is rather the internalization of the law. And if we have the law in our hearts, which God promises to put there, then we have the right motivation. Where we are upholding the law, not in an endeavor to be saved, but because we're in that saving relationship with Jesus. So you're correct. He did not change the law. Uh, then, of course, Nick, in this, um, in these chapters, uh, there is a lot of talk about money, laying up treasures not on earth, but mm. laying them up in heaven. 
And then Jesus talks about we can't serve two masters. We can't serve God and money. Yes. One will always take precedence. And the other thing is that this is very practical, as you said. Jesus, at the end of Matthew 6, is saying we don't need to worry about things. We need to trust in God. Mm. God will provide for our needs. We are told in chapter 7 not to judge. We are also told to ask, seek, and knock. We're also told, as you mentioned before, that uh, narrow is the gate uh, to get into heaven and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And then we're also told that we'll know people by their fruits. Yes. So in other words, God wants to write his laws upon our hearts. Mm. Now, we can't see... And the term heart simply means uh, the seat of thinking, uh, the the area in which we choose. You know, we say I love someone with all my heart. Well, our heart is a is an organ. It doesn't love anything. Mm, it's a mm. pump. But it's really talking about our emotions, our our decisions that we make, the mind. So when we love God with all of our heart and mind, what actually happens is that will then show in our actions. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew 7, you will know them by their fruits, mm. their outward acts. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the outward acts that we, we do show whether we're in a saving relationship with Jesus or whether we're not. Yes, correct. Um, David, uh, just uh, before I'm taking a, sh- a break here, just have a, a song. I would like to give away uh, this book, which I mentioned a bit earlier. It's called Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings. And if you miss some of the programs before, as we just recap very briefly today about chapter 5, 6, and 7, this book, it's a wonderful uh, book. It's like a devotion. You can use it. The Sermon on the Mount of um, uh, Blessings, you know, called the Manifesto of the King. And as we mentioned earlier, the Mega Carta of the Kingdom. It is the essence of the teachings of Jesus presented to his disciples. You can have this book free of charge in your hands. No obligation. You just need to send us a text on 0488-880-811. On the same number, you can send us a message today, be part of this program, send a question or a comment, and we'll be very happy to share that. Right now, enjoy this uh, beautiful song, Awake, and we'll be back shortly. Awake, 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 my children, and see Clothed in strength, ransom to me In your mouth I put my words Rise up and see, I am the Lord. Rise up and see, I am the Lord. Your bags have become your enemy's path. Drunk from my cup of wrath. You have betrayed my trust. I am the Lord and I am just. Awake, 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 Jerusalem, and see 
No one to guide, no signs to help thee Rule and destruction, famine and sword Rise up and see, I am the Lord Rise up and see, I am the Lord A ruler will come from origins of old For nothing your hearts were sold And with no money you'll be rich trip Sing loud for you've been redeemed Awake, 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 O Zion and see From your chains you've been set free Put on your garments of splendor Rise up and see, I am the Lord Rise up and see, I am the Lord Awake, awake, Welcome back. You are listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Nick Rita and our co-host today is David Butcher. We are going to talk today about uh, is it possible to do good things and still be lost? David, that's a very uh, sobering question. It is, isn't it? Because it, uh, if uh, this question is answered in the affirmative that uh, yes, uh, Christians can do good things and still be lost. That's a concern, isn't it? A real yeah. concern. Yeah. Uh, and I guess uh, we're challenged in Scripture to to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Mm. Now, I don't think we should be fearful in our relationship with God. Let's not get that wrong. We shouldn't be fearful. But there is a message and a challenge that is uh, given to us here. And, and Nick, uh, just as we were giving a little bit of a recap there, um, it's interesting the warnings that Jesus gives just before this passage in Matthew 7.21. He gives the warning against wide gates and broad roads. Mm -hmm. He's saying, you know, the path is narrow. He gives the warning against false prophets and teachers, and that's where he says you will know them by their fruits. That's in verses 15 to 18 of, of Matthew 7. But then in verse 19, he warns that every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So here is this focus of uh, you've got trees, some bear fruit, some do not. He then says that uh, those who do the will of the Father, this is verse 21, uh, can expect to enter at the kingdom of heaven. And he also says in verses 24 to 27, those who fail to act on Jesus' words uh, will face a great demise. So in each of these warnings, he contrasts two different kinds of people. There are those who choose the right or wrong road, those who bear good or bad fruit, those who do or fail to do the Father's will, and those who build on rock or sand. And so all this comes down to, I believe, is choices. Yes. God gives every single human being the freedom to choose. Absolutely. And we see that, Nick, right there in the Garden of, Garden of Eden, right at the beginning of time when, when Adam and Eve were created. God gave them free choice. And there in that perfect, pristine garden, uh, you had the tree of life, but you also had the tree of the knowledge 
of good and evil. Now, while they uh, ate from the tree of life, they had what we would call conditional immortality. Mm. They could continue to to live in that Garden of Eden on the condition that um, they were able to eat from the tree of life. But God also gave them the freedom of choice, and the freedom of choice was expressed if you like, in my words, by having the tree of the knowledge of good and evil present in the garden. Right. In other words, God is saying, I don't know about you, Nick, but I don't like to be in a room that has no exit, right? Mm. And I like to know which door is the exit. Yes. And so we have in Australia these green signs lit up, green and white, with the exit. In essence, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for me, is almost like the exit door. Okay. The exit door of the relationship with God. God is saying, I love you. I am a God of love. God is love, the Bible says. And for love to truly be experienced, there has to be that exit door allowing the other party to exit. And so the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the choice that humanity could make. Mm. I don't want to be in relationship with you, God. I want to go my own way. And that's exactly, sadly, what our first parents did. And uh, they're excluded from the garden, therefore the tree of life, and death came. Yes. So God gives free choice. And what we see here in Matthew 7 are these choices that every single human being has to make. So, Nick, the question was again for today. Yes. Is it possible to do good things and still be lost? So, Nick, I'm wondering whether you can read uh, verses uh, 21 and um, 21 to 23. Sure. And just before I read this um uh, David, I looked this for two different translations, and the subtitle uh, really caught my attention on um, two different translations. One, it says, I never knew you, and the other one says, true disciples. You know, uh, you can still think that you are a disciple, but are you a true disciple? Yes. And uh, you pointed out before that Jesus spoke to the um, uh, people in these three chapters in various ways, and... Um, like the this is the way you know and or build a house on the rock uh, not on the sand all of those things illustrated something very important because in previous programs we talked about even what waters means you know and waters means multitude multitudes don't base your your uh, beliefs or teachings uh, for what people are saying build it on the rock which is Jesus Christ. Last night we talked about with Eric that the way, the narrow way, is Jesus actually. is Jesus himself. That's the narrow way. But reading from um, uh, chapter 7, verse uh, from verse 21 and 22, do you say that? Yeah? Yes, yes. Not everyone who says to me, says uh, the Lord Jesus, who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So just stop there, Nick. This is a this is a really challenging verse mm. because evidently there uh, Jesus is is talking here, and there are people that will come to him, calling him Lord, Lord. Mm. This is really saying master. The people that are re- referenced here in verse twenty one are actually professed believers. Yeah, they're Christians. They claim to be followers of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, not everyone who comes to me saying they're a Christian or talking or looking or even maybe acting like a Christian will make it into the kingdom of heaven. But there is one criteria. He says, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Mm. 
So it's one thing to say the right things, look the right way, all of those things. But if we don't do God's will, Jesus is saying that uh, we won't enter the kingdom of heaven. And what, what that means, because David, the next passage also says that many will say to me in that day, again, Lord, Lord, or Master, you know, have we not pro, uh, prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? You see, they were not only uh, saying that, Lord, Lord, but they were practicing doing some things. But why, Jesus, it's, it's saying that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter in the kingdom of heaven? Um, verse, do you want me to read verse 23? Yeah, no, let's, let's just stop there, Nick. Yeah. So I think going back to verse 21. Um, only those that do the will of the Father mm. uh, will will enter the kingdom. And, and as we, this is a sermon, remember. So when we, if we were to go back and we did a bit of a review of this sermon, what is the will of the Father? The will of the Father is to let your light shine, chapter five, to keep the commandments, chapter five, to deal with anger and resolve conflict, chapter five, to maintain proper marital relationships. That's in chapter five as well. To speak honestly without fanfare or oaths. Mm. Uh, the will of the Father is to act in generous and loving ways, even towards our enemies. Uh, to give um, gifts and donations to the poor and to pray in secret. In other words, don't be proud. To do the will of the Father in chapter six is to forgive give. It is to seek God's kingdom first and not our own desires, and it's to refrain from judging. So in this chapter, in this, in, these, in this sermon of Jesus, in these chapters, this is what it means to do the will of the Father, all of the things that he's been talking about up until now. So you've read verse 22, which is also a challenging verse, isn't it, Nick? Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. Mm. Now, I don't know about you, Nick, but um, this has to be people that claim to be followers of Jesus, correct? Correct. Because they're using the name of Jesus to cast out demons. They're using the name of Jesus uh, by prophesying, and they've done miracles mm. in the name of Jesus. Mm. Which means not everyone who does miracles, uh, it's a follower of Jesus, a true follower of Jesus. And that's exactly right. This is, this is really important because we know in Matthew 24, uh, a chapter that deals with events leading up to the return of Jesus, he talks about being aware of being, being watchful that you're not deceived. Mm -hmm. He talks about false prophets and false teachers coming and false Christs. But we have it even closer to home here in chapter 7, uh, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. So what you say is absolutely correct. Just because someone can do a miracle or appear to do a miracle does not mean to say it's from God. Mm. If we were to look at Revelation 13, uh, we're given a picture looking forward to right at the very end of time. A and John the Revelator, John the beloved disciple, uh, there talks about at the end of time a power that will call fire down from heaven, an evil power that will call fire down from heaven and will do mighty signs and wonders and deceive the whole world. Yes. We also know from the story in the Old Testament in, in Exodus, Moses with his staff, He's before the Pharaoh, and uh, he's there to show Pharaoh that God is God and that, Pharaoh, you're not God. The God of heaven is God. Right. And uh, God gives him some signs to do with that staff. He throws his staff on the ground, and it turns into a snake. Mm -hmm. 
But we know in that story in Exodus that Pharaoh's magicians come and throw their staves on the ground and they also become snakes. Yes. So just because someone can do miracles doesn't make them a follower of Jesus. Correct. And in fact, I'd like to suggest that miracles or the observance of miracles don't necessarily mean that we would be advantaged in having a stronger faith. And if I could add on that one, uh, uh, David, what I believe also that uh, the signs or the, the miracles that it can be very deceitful uh, for many people because we should not base our faith and our relationship with Jesus just on what we see, uh, other people doing or see, even uh, people in D- Jesus' time says, uh, give us a sign, you know, And this is exactly right. This is why miracles don't necessarily build faith. Mm. Because if you were to look at John 6, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. That's only the men. You add women and children, they're probably fifteen to 20,000 people. He's fed them with five loaves and two fish that he's multiplied. An incredible miracle. And yet near the end of chapter 6, the religious leaders come to Jesus and say, show us a sign. That, that who you say you are to prove who you are. Well, haven't you just seen this incredible miracle of five mm. loaves and two fishes mm. feeding 5,000 men plus women and children? Didn't the disciples witness incredible miracles, including the raising of people from the dead? And yet, look, they all fled and betrayed Jesus. So we shouldn't be relying on miracles as evidence no. that someone is a true believer. And even further than that, Jesus is encouraging uh, his followers uh, not to, uh, you know, just um, be trapped into, into, you know, science and miracles, but to go back into the Bible and learn what the Bible says. I mean, the Bible says that even a, if an angel comes from heaven, and still, uh, you know, if you don't know the truth of the Bible, because that, that's probably where the, the matter is. And we'll read in verse uh, 23, maybe just in, in a, in a um, uh, few moments. But Jesus is encouraging us to have a solid relationship with him by our daily uh, communion with him, to read the Bible, to talk to Jesus, to pray, to understand those things, to apply the Bible in our life daily. Because can I read verse twenty three in our? Yeah, um, no, read verse because this Go is for it, yeah. this, I believe this is the the crack actually of the these three passages. It says here, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. And here is the the point for me: you who practice lawlessness is that something here which should open our eyes david because jesus says here you did all those things miracles signs whatever you did in my name but you haven't kept the law of god you worked lawlessness is that what uh, this passage is saying or maybe i'm No, look, I think so, Nick, but I also think there is a deeper meaning here as well. Uh, And verse 23 again, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Mm, mm. Um, And then it says, of course, um, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Um, The rich young ruler said to Jesus, I've kept all of these things from my youth. Yes, correct. But Jesus said, you still lack one thing. Mm. Go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and come follow me, and you'll have treasure in heaven. He thought externally he had kept all the laws. 
And, and this is what the religious leaders in Jesus' day thought. That's why the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is challenging these presuppositions and preconceived ideas that the religious people had yeah. with all of these external law-keeping. But when you're not internally keeping the law, you're practicing lawlessness. Which means you can be lost practicing the law. Which or, means you can yeah. be doing good things and be lost. Yes. Which is really disturbing. Yes. And, and so here, one of the challenging things for me in verse 23, after they've been saying, look, Lord, we've done all of these things in your name. We've cast out demons. We've prophesied. We've done wonders and miracles in your name. And you would expect to think that Jesus would respond to these people by saying, well done, good and faithful mm, servant. You've mm. cast out demons in my name. You've done miracles in my name. You've prophesied in my name. Well done. But instead of saying that in verse 23, these are the words of Jesus. He says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Wow. Depart from me. And this, to me, is the key. And, Nick, if we jump to, to Matthew 25, Matthew chapter 25, and uh, here in Matthew 25, we've got uh, end of 24 and chapter 25, uh, three parables mm-hmm. that show people's responses to their readiness for Jesus to return. In other words, the second coming and how people are being prepared or unprepared. So in Matthew 25, and I've just got to turn my page in my Bible, Matthew 25, we begin in that chapter with a parable, and we'll come back to this, of what is called the wise and the foolish virgins. Mm -hmm. Five wise, five foolish. But it's interesting to note that in this parable, uh, five had extra oil. Because why? The master's coming was delayed. Uh, He came at midnight. They'd all fallen asleep. He came at midnight. Uh, They woke up. They trimmed their lamps. And and five of them realized they didn't have enough oil to make the trip back to the groom's home where there was going to be a party, a big wedding celebration. Five of them had that oil. And the five foolish ones need to go out and purchase more oil. They run off quickly uh, when they hear that he's come uh, and they go to buy oil and then they rush to the master's house, to the groom's house. The door is shut. The, the wedding party is happening. And in Matthew 25, verse 10, It says, and while they went to buy, that's oil, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. Verse 11, afterward the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Listen to verse 12, Nick. But he answered and said to them, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Wow. This is exactly what he's saying here in Matthew 7, verse 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. So essentially what Jesus is saying, it is all about a relationship. And if you know someone, and often the word know or or knew, Adam knew his wife Eve, uh, it means an intimate action, the sexual relationship of a couple coming together to conceive. When Adam knew Eve, he was con- they were conceiving a baby. So this is a very intimate uh, relationship. Now, this is Jesus is not talking about a sexual relationship here. Yeah. I never knew you. But he is talking about an intimate, personal relationship. So when he says, I never knew you, depart from me, he's really saying, outwardly you profess to be a follower of mine. You do many of the right things externally, but you don't, you're dead on the inside. You yes. don't have a living relationship with me. I don't yeah. know you. That's correct. So eternal life and salvation is about a relationship with Jesus. 
Yeah. We can do all the wonderful things we like, but if we don't have that relationship, we will be lost. Yeah, absolutely. David, can we take a short break here now? And I have a song prepared here. We are going to talk a little bit, if time's allowed, about building on the rock. And this is a beautiful song. Um, just stay with us on Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A.
You are listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A with Nick Rita and David Butcher talking today. Uh, and the main question is, is it possible to do good things and still be lost? The book which we advertised a bit earlier and we want to give it to you today is called Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. And you just need to send a message to us. And I think last time I may miss out on giving you the code for this book. The code is SA13 and you just need to send a message on 0488880811. On the same number, you can still continue to send us messages and we just have a, a bit of a comment here. David, would you be able to just comment on, on this uh, message which we receive? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a message from Michael. Thank you, Michael, for the message that's come in. Uh, the question is, or the statement, no one performs miracles today. No one will deceive the whole world with signs and wonders in the future. So thank you for the question. If I go to Scripture, Matthew 24, um, and in Matthew 24, Jesus is is mixing events that will occur in the first century with the destruction of Jerusalem, but also he is talking about the signs that will occur before he returns. So he's talking about the first century, destruction of Jerusalem, as well as the signs that will occur in the earth prior to his second coming or return. Matthew 24 uh, verses 4 and 5 talk about not being deceived, many false Christs and prophets. Uh, That's in verse 4 and 5. Matthew 24 though, verse 23, then if anyone says to you, look here, here is the Christ or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. Then... In verse 27, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So clearly in Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about people um, claiming to do uh, uh, miracle working, false Christ, false prophets, doing great wonders uh, that will deceive many. Mm-hmm. In Revelation 13, this is end time. He, before Jesus comes back, it's talking about a great worldwide deception. So, um, yeah, I believe the scripture does say that uh, miracles will be occurring and deceptions will occur across the whole world before Jesus comes. That's what he tells us. Thank you, David, for uh, addressing um, that statement there. Um, Right, we'll uh, have to move fast now. We okay, haven't got Nick. too much left now. So we're now looking at verses 24 to 27. I'm wondering if you can read those for us, please. Sure. It says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 25, And the rain descended, the floods come, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods come, and the winds blew, and beat on the house, and it fall. 
or fell and great was its fall. This is challenging, isn't it? Absolutely. It's amazing how Jesus uses stories. He's basically saying here that uh, there are uh, two builders, if you like, both builders. Uh, one of them builds on sand, a loose foundation, a mm-hmm. non-stable foundation. It would have been easy. I've dug foundations. I'm, I'm sure you have done that sort of thing as well, Nick. It can be back-breaking work without all of the uh, mechanical tools, correct? That's correct. But in sand, it can be quite easy. Eh? <laughs> yeah, it can. And I've, I've, for my father-in-law, I used to do that while I was at seminary, digging trenches at times. And it was hard work. They'd have to be deeper and clean and square and all those sorts of things. So Jesus says here, he says... Um, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, verse 24, and does them, this is the key, Mm. we can hear, but we also have to do. And I know sometimes, um, uh, you know, I'll be talking to certain people and they'll say, did you hear me? And I'll say, yes, I've heard you. But just because I've heard someone doesn't mean to say I have to do what they're saying. Jesus here, though, is saying, blessed are the person or the person who hears what I say and actually follows through and does it, then they're the one that builds a house similar to one building a house on a solid foundation. In other words, Jesus here is saying that the foundation is the most important part of a house. If it's if it's faulty, it'll fall. Yes. The foundation is the teachings of Jesus. And I guess in this Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, but it's a whole of Scripture. Are we building on the teachings of Christ? We're not just hearing them, but are we going to act upon them? In other words, our actions will show whether we've built on the foundation. And the the man that built his house on the sand, he had a good-looking house. You don't see the foundations. They're, they're underground or they're covered, correct? Correct, yes. But when the storms and trials of life come, that's when our foundations are exposed. And there are so many look-good Christians that's right. So when the trials of life come, and notice both the man who built on sand and the man who built on the rock both face storms. Mm-hmm. This tells us that Christians will face trials. But when we face trials, it's how we respond that shows whether we are not just hearing what Jesus says, but following what he says that counts. All right. So we can... Um, we can hear the words of Jesus, we can look like a Christian, we can sound like a Christian, but unless we act upon what Jesus says and built, build a foundation on solid rock, then we can do good things but ultimately be lost. That's so true, David. And um, uh, as, as you pointed out and earlier, uh, I mentioned this, that uh, the um, probably the meaning of the parable of the house built on the sand is like building on the uh, understanding of people rather than than building on Jesus and the teachings of Jesus probably that's why for me it's it's telling that uh, also and i think that's good nick because you said earlier about um narrow is the road to salvation not listening to all the broad paths and all of that and I, so i think nick can a person do good things a christian do good things and still be lost for me uh, besides what we've read it's john 15 i believe it's the only parable in john john 15 we've got the story of the vine and the branches mm-hmm. and in john chapter 15 and i'm just turning there i think it's verse 5 or 6 it says there I am the vine, this is Jesus, I am the vine, you are the branches. That's his followers. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Mm. The word abide means to remain, to be connected, to live in. 
uh, we abide or live in a house. And so Jesus is saying, if we abide or live in Jesus, if we're if He's living in us and we're living in Him, then we bear much fruit. Yes, absolutely. So a branch might be partly severed, might be partly severed or not fully connected. It will still look healthy for a while, but ultimately it will show up. And Jesus says that if we abide in him and remain in him, in other words, we need to persevere, we need to, and and you can do a Bible study on the word persevere in our faith. Um, We can depart from the faith. Um, Because God is a God of love, he gives us that option to choose whether we want to stay in relationship with him or not. But if we persevere and we remain connected to the vine and remain in Jesus, then we will bear fruit. Whereas you can only keep up false pretenses for so long. So we, as a professed Christian, we can do good things, we can appear good, but we may not be connected to the vine Jesus Christ. All right. Well, um, uh, time it's uh, it's up, uh, David, and um, we may just need to bring it a little bit together with few thoughts, uh, maybe in two minutes. Uh, what would you like to draw uh, out of this? Um, uh, let's say we we mentioned the three chapters, but if we talk about the chapter seven now and the last few passages which we read, what will you draw together now? I believe it all comes down to uh, verse twenty-three was a key verse. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Mm. So, um, you know, I can hear an instructor tell me, this is how you operate the computer, or this is how you operate a piece of machinery. Or, um, you know, recently we were on a houseboat and we were given instructions of how to use everything. I can listen, but if I fail to act on what I've been shown, then I'm going to come up short. And Jesus is saying, it's all about relationship. I never knew you. Therefore, there are a number of people that he knows. So not only do we need to, as we're in a relationship with Jesus, we will do what Jesus says. And that means we will have a solid foundation. We'll be like the man who builds on rock. Great. Builds on the words of Jesus Christ. So not only will we say the right things like a professed Christian, but our actions will show. Oh, that's great. Thank you. How would you like to just um, close with prayer, David? Absolutely. Lord in heaven, we just want to thank you for your word. Uh, We're living in a tumultuous world, a world with so much change and transition. Father, um, the institutions that, uh, that we thought were rock solid have got cracks in them. But Father, we know that your word will abide forever. And you've invited us to come to know you, to be in a relationship with you. You want to know us intimately, Lord, and you want us to know you. Lord, I want to pray for our listeners that each one of them and us will invite you to be Lord of our lives, our Lord and Master. And uh, Lord, I pray that as we connect with you and we remain connected to the vine, Jesus Christ, that you will work through us. And that the actions and the works that we do won't be done in order to earn salvation or earn to look good. They'll be done as an outflow of our personal relationship and our love and our connection with you. Mm. So, Lord, bless our listeners. May we stay connected to Jesus Christ. May we build on him who is the rock. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for uh, listening to Drive Time Big Q&A today with Nick Rita and David Butcher. I will invite you tomorrow to join us again when uh, Fabiano uh, will come with, uh, I believe, with um, Hugh. 
And they are going to talk uh, from Luke chapter 14, uh, hard sayings of Jesus. Until then, may God richly bless you. And I'm leaving you with this beautiful song, The Fourth Man. Here is a story from the good book we know. A story about a miracle that happened long ago. We hope that you'll take courage when temptation you meet. There's somebody watching you who's strong when you're weak. They wouldn't bear. They held on to the will of God, so we're told. They wouldn't bow. They would not bow their knees to the idol made of gold. They wouldn't burn. They were protected by the fourth man in the fire. They wouldn't bend. They wouldn't bow. They wouldn't burn. Now the prophet Daniel tells about three men who walked with God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before the wicked king they stood. And the king commanded them bow and throne in the fiery furnace that day. But the fire was so hot that the men were slain who forced them on their way. Now when the three were cast in and the king rose up to witness this awful fate, he began to tremble at what he saw in an astonished tone he spake. Did we not cast three men bound into the midst that fire? Well, oh, I see four men unhurt, unbound, and walking down there. There's Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the fiery coals they trod. And the form of the fourth man that I see is like the Son of God. They held on to the will of God, so we are told. They would not bow their knees to the idol made of gold. They were protected by the fourth man in the fire. They wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't burn.